At the end of October, the Assembly held a hearing on library construction aid in New York, as well as the long-term capital needs for the state's libraries. To discuss what was gleaned from that conversation and how it might inform future actions here in Albany, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Assemblymember Kerry Werner, a Capital Region Democrat who chairs the Chamber's Committee on Libraries and Education Technology and led the recent hearing. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thank you, David. It's always a pleasure to be with you. So I think most New Yorkers think of their local libraries as local institutions funded through local taxes. So what exactly is the state's role in providing aid, or specifically for this conversation, providing construction aid? The state provides two forms of aid to support local libraries. One is state library aid, which generally speaking goes to the library systems and then the systems distribute it to their member libraries. And that is uh, operating aid. They can use it for building their collection. They can use it for programs. Uh, they can use it for uh, anything related to the, to the running and operation of the institution as a library. Uh, and then the other piece, which is germane to this conversation, is the building construction aid. And that is capital funding to provide monies to the libraries for rehabbing a building or adding onto a building, or if they've purchased a new building or constructing a new building to handle all of the cost of construction. And in terms of the percent that the state might pay for a project, is the state really doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to making sure that local libraries can afford a construction project or is the state aid just a a cherry on the top? No, it can be a substantial percentage of the project. So in general, it is at least 50% of the project. Uh, There's a program that is sort of the base aid is 50% of the project. And then for economically distressed communities, it can be 75% or even 90% of the project cost. Now, I will say that those are the maximums. But in reality, because the amount of money that goes into the construction aid fund on an annual basis is so limited, it's very rare for a project to actually be funded to the maximum amount that it might be funded for, given the parameters of the program. Well, based on your hearing then, how are libraries responding to the current dynamic? How, how if at all, is it shaping uh, their funding requests and the projects that they are trying to do? It sometimes can mean the difference between um, doing a project and not doing a project. And by that, I mean that if the amount of money that the that an individual library system can dedicate to a single project in their in their district is less than, Um, what the amount that that particular library needs, um, meaning that the community can't raise enough money to make up the difference, the project might not go forward. uh, Or they may may end up phasing it. So perhaps they they take a project which might in total be um, $750,000, but knowing how much they're likely to be able to get in a given year, they might do they might do that over a series of maybe five years so that each project is about $100,000, $150,000, and they're able to get somewhere between seventy five dollars and $100,000 of that 
covered by the state in that in a given year, and then um, the the library would have to raise the rest. Depending on how the library is funded, it might be uh, an increase in the library tax, or perhaps uh, they're going to bond for that, and then they're just paying the debt service for a period of years. Uh, so um, phasing it is a, is a strategy that is often used, uh, but there are times when uh, the decision is made to not pursue a project simply because the the locality couldn't come up with enough money in the match. Well, has that decision process, the the inability to raise the, the matching funds at the local level, contributed to uh, a significant backlog in products? I, I think that's a that's a fair conclusion that that one of the big contributors to why there's a backlog in um, the amount of uh, maintenance and it's you know it's it's approaching two billion dollars um, is because these libraries are. Um, not able to, at the local level, raise that kind of capital to do these projects. And we have an awful lot of old buildings that serve as libraries. So the the Carnegie libraries that were built in the early 20th century, um, which are still in use today, uh, they, you know, just like any old building, um, they're over 100 years old and they need they need work. They need new roofs. They need they need energy efficiency updates. They need to be adapted for um, ADA compliance uh, so that they're accessible to everyone in the community. Uh, they need to be retrofitted to uh, to include modern telecommunications uh, equipment. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of old buildings that need to be uh, modernized. And then as well, we have some basic box buildings that were built during the, you know, during the Eisenhower era, and uh, you know, in that that great architectural mid-century, um, and they're too small, and they need to be expanded. They need a second story, or they need a basement, um, or they just need to be they need to be expanded. And in some cases, where we have built libraries that are in urban settings, that kind of expansion can be very challenging to do. Um, given the space constraints, uh, and so very expensive, and they they just don't happen because there's not enough uh, there's not enough in a given year to fund that that project at the level the district needs it to be funded at. Are there any policy solutions to this problem that don't end in more state aid? There's a proposal to collapse the 75 and 90% um, levels into one 90% um, reimbursement level, which would streamline the the application process more than anything else. Uh, but also uh, baked into that, there it would mean that districts might be able to use more of the money that they have available to them. So there, there is that. Um, I do think that we ought to, you know, I asked several times about, is it valuable if library uh, systems or uh, libraries themselves could aggregate multiple years of funding um, to fund a project? And I didn't, I didn't get a sense that that was something that would be that would be helpful. But I'm going to continue to look at that because it seems to me that if you're not able to fund a you know a four hundred thousand dollar project because you can only get $200,000 in a year, that that perhaps being able to uh, uh, aggregate a couple of years worth of uh, funding and then take on a full project might be the answer. Uh, so there are, there are perhaps some policy issues, po- policy changes we could make that 
would would help around the edges. But I think at the end of the day, what we really need is to dedicate more capital to um, upgrading these institutions. They are increasingly important as community uh, community gathering places where uh, people can be with one another. They're not isolated. Uh, they are important from a a workforce development perspective. So many libraries are uh, now offering job training programs. They're offering um, adult literacy and English as a second language to make sure that someone has the, the basic reading skills to be able to work in a good paying job. Uh, there are um, uh, there are all kinds of, of, of supports that happen in libraries. There's one library that has um, uh, a Thai lending library. So if you are going on a job interview and you don't have a tie to wear to your job interview, they'll lend you a tie. Um, it's, it's, libraries are those kinds of creative institutions that are really uh, addressing the needs in communities that nobody else is. And for that, they need, they need better space. And so if we want them to be able to continue to serve in that capacity, need to be able to pay attention to the, the the facilities that they operate in. Well, given the disparate functions that libraries have taken on in recent years, and not to you know belabor the point, but they also helped out with the census, and they also help people when they need time to file their, their taxes, uh, does the answer that might mean not increasing funding, could the answer potentially be allowing libraries for construction purposes to tap into other pots of money maybe that were available for other purposes. I mean, someone could make an argument that they are an economic development uh, entity, for example, when you mention the ties program, because that's helping people secure jobs. Um, so do we just need to make libraries eligible for additional pots of money as well? I think so. I think so. I, and I argued in our, in our last budget cycle that um, given the amount of resource that libraries are dedicating to workforce development programs, that libraries should be eligible to participate um, and to apply for uh, workforce development funding that we, the state spends hundreds of millions of dollars on and libraries should be able to apply for that money. Now that's not, that's not capital, that's, that's operating money, uh, but it's a reflection of the fact that they're, they're doing that job. They're providing that service. Um, and in some cases, probably more effectively than other other traditional workforce development organizations do and they should be able to be funded through that through that funding stream so yes i agree with you that's a, that would be that would be an important change is to just make libraries eligible to access monies um, from other sources that uh, that are consistent with the services they're providing well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Assembly Libraries and Education Technology Committee Chair Carrie Werner. She is a Capital Region Democrat who recently led a hearing on the library construction aid needs of the state's libraries. Assembly member, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. And uh, perhaps I'll see you at a local library. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.